Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, hey. I'm tired. How are you? No, on this beautiful spring day. Oh my gosh. How can you be tired? I spent the afternoon with both of my parents at the same time. I was like, is this what it feels like to be an only child? I don't like it. Like I was literally sitting between them and I was like, OMG. Oh, so, but you know what? I did the impossible. I got them both on the same page as it relates to retirement and estate planning. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I am a miracle worker. Wow. That is an achievement. Yeah. Well, because what happened was, um, so, hey, guys, I'm sorry. I'm Tiffany. I'm not sorry, but I'm Mandy. <laughs> and we are Brown Ambition. <laughs> we really worked on that intro, you guys. You impressed? No. My, um, my dad was like, hey, um, there's this... Um, this app, Waze, W-A-Z-E, you know, the um, the GPS app. Love Waze. Love yeah, and, and then, hate Waze. And then also, too, there's this app my sister was telling him about some stock that she bought. Um, they just had an IPO um, drop on Friday, and she just thought it was a good stock, and I like it, too. And so she was telling him, because my dad it, it's, has been an investor for a long time. He just is not, like, an investor on his phone. So he didn't know, like, wait, there's, like, apps that you can do on your phone? And he was like, come to the house tomorrow. Your sister tried to explain it to me, but she wasn't clear. You're a businesswoman. I'm sure you'll make it better. I'm like, oh, my God. He summoned that you. Is, yes. You know when you get summoned, you have to count. <laughs> so when I came, uh, the living room was all set up for, like, a guest. I was like, who's coming? He's like, you, sit right here. He's like, wait, let me wake your mother. Uh, she told me <laughs> she told me to wake her when you got here. I said, uh-oh, what's happening? Like, usually this kind of thing doesn't end well. It's usually, like, we need you to cut your hair or where's my grandchild or how come you're not married? So it was a weird you know, but it was really pleasant. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm not in trouble for the first time. So first they made them, made me show them how to get the Robin Hood app for their phone. Meanwhile, I look at my mother and I'm like, ma'am, you've never bought like a, a whiff of a stock. And she's just like, I want to try. I'm like, oh my God. So and I didn't know that they didn't have online banking. So we had to go back five steps just to get to the one step. After an hour and a half, they were both up and running on Robin Hood. And then they're like, wait, before you leave, uh, we heard that there's GPS available on your phone. I'm like, who are you people? So another 30 minutes later, I had to teach them. I had to download Waze on their phone and teach them how to um, how to use it. And I thought, you know what, this is a good time um, because my mom, you know, is wanting to retire. Um, and um, my dad had my dad is a is a C well, was a CPA and a, a CFO. And so he had a whole financial plan set aside for them. But my mom actually wants to retire a year earlier, and she's pretty determined. So 
because of that, they weren't on the same financial page. And so she was like, come and like, you know, help daddy like understand that I don't want to go back to work. And so I talked to them about it today. I talked to them about state planning. And honestly, it was great. Like it was at the end they were all excited and giddy. And they're like, I feel like we had like a great technology lesson. I was like, oh, well, while you're feeling happy, you know, I spoke to an estate planner, um, a state um, attorney, and I'd love for her to come by so we can talk about long-term health care. We could talk about um, your insurance. We could talk about, um, you know, your will and updating it. And my dad said, okay. And I said, also, too, you know, mommy has a new retirement expert that she's working with as far as her finances. Are, um, he's um, a, a CFP, um, financial advisor, but he specializes in um, uh, baby boomers transitioning into retirement. And I was like, Daddy, you really, I really want you to come to the next meeting. And he said, Okay, I'm available on, you know, Monday, Tuesday. I'm like, Meanwhile, you're available Sunday to Sunday. You're retired. Um, but so it he was didn't, good. He didn't know that she was talking to this planner. He on the did. Side. And he was like, Not happy. Because, like I said, my dad is really savvy. I mean, I got all of my financial acumen from him. All of my sisters did. And so he's really savvy. He's planned their retirement, but based upon his timeline. But, you know, I think that he was just kind of like, you're cheating on me with this financial planner, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but he was in a good mood. So I was like, yes, let me slip this in. And so I'm happy because he was like, yes, to both things, to the, the, the lawyer and to the financial planner. And so I feel really good because my dad is in his 70s, you know, and it just makes me concerned that their will still says, Tiffany, age six, belongs to Uncle Tony, should we pass away? <laughs> Meanwhile, my dad texted me the day after tax day and was like, how do you file an extension? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, my God. Don't you just worry about them, though? I'm, like, like, so worried. But also, you know, I have distance on my side here because my dad is in Atlanta. My, my baby brother is in Atlanta. So actually, shout out to my little brother because he's usually tasked with, like, dad duty, like, you know, computer tech support and okay. things like that. <laughs> Taxes was supposed to be my thing. And I was kind of, I was like, dad, here's all the resources. Here's how you file. You should be able to file for free. There's so much work with my dad because he's got this, I think like a lot of people who grew up in like high poverty areas, you know, he grew up in Atlanta. There was just like this total distrust of the government and mm -hmm. of financial institutions. And this is the man who I, I witnessed go to a bank. He stood in line for 15 minutes outside of a bank on a Saturday to deposit some cash that he had gotten from a job. He deposited the cash and then he left and went to the ATM and took out some money. Why? I was like, why dad? Why did you wait, wait in line just to take the money out at the ATM? He was like, I thought about it. I didn't want them having that much of my money. And I changed my mind. Oh my God. And I'm like, <laughs> but Why? And I'm trying to explain how FDIC insurance works, you know, up to $250,000 of your money that's held in a bank account is entirely insured by the government. You will not lose it even if the bank fails. He doesn't want to hear it. He just has this, you know, he is the kind of person who, and I've confirmed this, just keeps cash rolled up in his sock. Like his piggy bank, his whole 401k is like basically just stuffed in corners of the, I'm like, what if the house burns down? But he doesn't care, you know? He, and it's so frustrating to me because now I'm, I feel like I'm more aware now and I need to be doing more to help him. But like, he almost needs like a financial psychologist. Yes. Like to undo all the wiring and the, the thought process around money. And it was the same way with his taxes. He's thinking, well, if I wait to the last minute, Uncle Sam won't get my money. 
And I'm like, Dad, oh. you're not going to owe any money because I know what you made last year. You're going to get a <laughs> refund. Yeah, so you're literally holding back. It's crazy. When my mom told me, you know what, I don't think I'm going to go with, the, the, with that financial advisor because, you know, the, he wants to well, – she didn't understand that he was opening up basically a new account because the financial advisor, obviously, you're not keeping your money with your old financial advisor. And she's like, he asked for my Social Security number. I said, no way. I'm like, Mommy, like – when you're opening up a new, if you just go to like, just say Bank of America or Wells Fargo and you're opening up a checking account, they're going to want your social security number. The government is keeping track of how your money is moving. Yep. I was like, it's just a new bank account. Like, that's normal. She was like, are you certain? I'm like, ah, uh, pretty sure. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, oh, one day I'm going to be old like this. I'm like, I'm old like this now. I tell Supergirl, girl, Supergirl, help me with this TV. Put on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I've already become them. But if but financially, though, it's yes. it's 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 difficult. Like it's one thing it, teaching him how to use the internet; it's another thing convincing him that like Uncle Sam is not out to get you. <laughs> At least know. not you, not little. You know, not my dad. Other people, sure, but not you. Um, it's tough, and I still haven't figured out like what day is it. It's been a couple weeks now, and I'm like, oh, I gotta go check in with Dad about his taxes. I don't know what he's done. Ugh. Anyway. Parenting. Yeah, yeah I was just like, about to say, exactly. Parent reverse parenting. But you know what? It's it's it makes you like really grateful that of the knowledge that you do have because you know if, if I didn't know, then I couldn't I couldn't share it with them. I think that somebody um wrote because I, I did a video about this on um, Instagram about you know seeing my parents today and helping them. And someone said, "What if you don't? What if your parents don't have much?" I said, "Then you especially need to have this conversation with them, especially, especially." So it's just something that you know. You know, that if you if you guys are, are, are if you have older parents, you definitely want to sit down with them and at least start to have the conversation. It's not you're not going to fix it all in one conversation, but you definitely want to sit down and start to open up the doors, especially if you have brown parents. You know, money and talking to your kids about money is, is typically not part of our cultural um, norms, but you want to start to make it normal. And you also, here's another thing to think about is they may not want to come to you. They may be embarrassed and they may not want to admit that they have issues. So it's almost more important for you to initiate. Not even just – you don't have to make it the big, dramatic, let's sit down and talk about your financial picture. But I don't know. Ask them, what what you know, what are your monthly expenses like and how are you paying your bills? And, hey, what are you thinking about doing with, with the house? You know, So many parents um, or a lot of older people may feel like they should have everything figured out and they may be doing something that's not actually in their best financial interest, but they may not realize it. Um, until someone asks them or they bring it up. And like you know, like one small thing you may find just leads to so many other, you know, larger things. Like I'll give you another dad example. And I, I love my dad, but he's, he's the best example of this. He recently had decided he was going to do, like he does, a new career shift. Um, he's just like a rolling stone. You know, it's always worked for him to just have different, like he's just a hustler. He's always been a hustler. My dad's always had at least three to four different hustles happening at a given time. And recently he was going to change his hustle and he wanted to go into business as a home inspector because at the time he was working in construction and all the guys at the, you know, all the guys on the job were talking about how much more money home inspectors make, how it's easy money. You just go to a house and open a few doors and you pocket like, you know, a few hundred bucks. And he thought this was like a golden ticket, and he started looking online, apparently, all this research on these for-profit um, colleges, these for-profit trade schools that have, you know, certificates and 
home inspection or whatever. And they're like thousands of dollars. But he didn't tell me that. I just happened to ask him about something about his construction business, like, you know, just trying to small talk. And then he led me into this whole conversation. And he was getting ready to sign up for one of these like trade schools to mm. pay to pay for a course that he didn't really need to get certified as an inspector. And then I did my own research and I'm like, dad, here's what it really takes to become a home inspector. And it's a whole different thing than what you thought it was. And please, dear God, don't spend any money on the internet without asking me first because you are a high... High, high fraud risk, my friend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Parents, but you have to, that's the thing. I mean, if you if you have a relationship with your parents, it's, it's really important that, especially as they get older, you start to, you know, normalize these kind of conversations with them because it's easy as they get older, no matter how sharp your parents were when you were younger, it's easier for them to be taken advantage of as they get older. Yep. And you don't, you know, you don't want that because a lot of times, you know, your parents get lonely. And so I try to make my way, you know, call them and, and check in on them. And so that way they know that if they do have questions, I'm just so glad that, you know, my mom, like she just, cause I wouldn't have known. She just was like, let me call my daughter. She's the financial person, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but you know, she could have done this on her own and been taken advantage of. And so. Yeah. Especially or, at retirement age, you know, yes. all these financial planners who can make so much money because they know people retiring have these big 401k accounts yes. and they need to transfer them and roll them over. And when, yes. you, when you roll them over into an, in, you know, regular IRA, financial planners can put you in investments that they make lucrative kickbacks exactly. um, off of. And that's, that's the whole reason why this new um, Department of Labor rule was, you know, Obama, the Obama administration was trying to pass this new Department of Labor rule. Um, called the fiduciary rule, which was going to make it so that any financial planner working with people um, to help them plan for retirement would have to work in their best interests. And it was going to stop, it was supposedly going to stop financial planners from doing exactly that, like taking retirees' um, uh, investments, their their nest eggs, and investing them into funds that directly um, you know, provided revenue to the financial planner. And then, of course, Trump came into power and now who knows where this law even I don't even know if it's even passed yet. Yeah. Um but it's yeah it's they're you know they have a lot of funds and these scammers they know it. Um not just scammers but that reminds me of Tanya Tanya Rapley. She's mm-hmm. the MyFab Finance. She has a new book coming out. I was talking to her about coming on the show soon, but then I saw on Twitter recently she tweeted that her mom, you know, has a has a house that's nearly paid off and some real estate investor had offered her a certain amount of money for the house. And her mom came to Tanya and asked her if she thought it was a good deal. And Tanya's like, no, get your own appraisal. And the home yeah. appraised for twice what the guy was asking wow. for. Twice. But they're sniffing around. They're like, oh, yes. yeah. These old people don't know what they're sitting on. The market is up. Let me see if I can get a sucker. And it's scary. So It is, honestly. Wow. Ugh. Well, I wanted to talk about, did you hear about this whole Zelle controversy? Do you know what Zelle is? Yes, I use it for Wells Fargo uses them. Yeah, so Zelle basically was this, the big banks got together and decided, man, Venmo, you know, this payment app that makes it so easy for people to send money to each other is like stealing money from us, basically taking a lot of potential revenue for us. So they got together and agreed to start Zelle, Z-E-L-L-E. So a lot of big banks like Wells Fargo, Bank of America, um, I think even Ally, maybe Chase, a lot of the big banks now allow you to very easily send money from bank to bank through Zelle. Um, What's happening, though, is people are realizing – so some people are using Zelle to 
transfer payments to like an online ticket seller if you're trying to buy, you know, concert tickets or you're trying to buy something off Craigslist and you want to send money to whoever. And what the, what's happening is some people are getting um, uh, their money stolen by fraudsters. So you think you're giving money for something and yet you're never getting what you paid for and the person disappears. And then they want to call their bank and say, I did this through Zelle. Am I covered? You're actually not protected if you're the one initiating the transaction. Like if you're the one sending money through Zelle to the bad person, to the hacker, to the fraudster, whoever, you're that, trend, that, that fraud is not covered. The only thing mm. that is covered is if like a fraudster hacks their way into your account through Zelle or whatever and takes your money that way. And it's caused all this like confusion and uproar. So I just wanted to let everyone know if you're using Zelle, think of it like you're giving a $20 bill, like actual cash money to someone. You wouldn't send that money, put it in an envelope, stick it in the mail and send it to a random person. Um, but you would hand it to a person that you know, like personally, like if I knew Tiffany, Hey, there's 20 bucks for the dinner that, you know, we split last night, I would do that. But I, you never want to use Zelle to send it to someone who you don't know. So an online seller or I don't know, even even like a bill, like if someone's trying to to charge you for some service, like a, a moving company or something, don't use Zelle because you won't be covered. Um, mm. You won't be covered if they end up being a fraudster. Again, the only thing that you're covered for is like if someone hacks into your account through Zelle. It's just like, you know, digital, digital scams are on the rise and you have to be mindful. That's why I said you want to especially be careful with your um, uh, older parents, but you just have to be mindful. No one is exempt from being scammed on the internet. I know. It feels like I'm getting scammed every day because money is draining out of my account and putting it into my house. Don't even like, uh, we're finally just like, we, we, we got an asbestos person, but this lead thing, it is like an animal all of it. So it's to the point now where honestly, Superman is going to take a class. Our, our project manager was like, you know, I've always wanted to be certified too. He's going to take the class too. Cause you know, Superman does that. Well, not lead, but he does like, I don't know, super stuff for the city. <laughs> he like, does like house stuff. Yeah, right. But it's for like as a job, but he, he just yeah. never been like certified in like lead removal. So they're both going to now that they have a bromance going on because him and our project manager, oh my gosh, like we, we love um, the project manager like uh, and, and his wife. They're like amazing. Who's a designer. And so they're like our real friends now. And so they're like, you know, let's just take the, the lead removal class. It's three hours. And because we don't have that much, honestly, it's just some chemical thing that you paint it on, paint on the lead, cover it with plastic and then peel it off. And so instead of because it's in the paint. Yeah, it's in the paint because um, of the age of the house, um, like it's been painted over like, you know, certain parts of the wood have been painted over, over and over again. And um, during certain periods in history, like, you know, the 70s or 60s or the 40s or whatever, because the house was built in 1920, lead paint was fine and it bleeds through the paint on top. Um, and so there are certain areas of the house where that's happened. So we're going to remove it. And people were charging, we're trying to charge upwards of $30,000. And I was like, $30,000. Yes. Because they were like, Oh, well, you know, you guys have a lot of wood in here. We're like, well, like, yeah, but all of it doesn't have lead. And it just, I mean, that was like the, that was someone who had not seen the house. That was someone who was just kind of like reading the report. It was like, it could be anywhere upwards to eight, $30,000. And I was just like, you know what? And then we actually had some really great contractors come by and or um, like lead um, abatement folks come by. And they were like, honestly, it's not even that much. You guys could do this yourself. There's literally a class. It's a couple hundred bucks and it'll be cheaper. And it's good for you to learn if you guys if, if, if your husband is trying to be, you know, 
like um, do more and more houses. So, um, so that's what we just decided that it'd be way cheaper to just for him to learn um, and to to do it ourselves. It'll cost us maybe like a few hundred bucks, and, and because it's not that it's, we don't have that much. It's like you know a few window sills and some baseboard. So it just needs to be the chemicals just need to be painted on. Um, sat there for 24 hours and then literally peeled off and like sanded and then just repainted with whatever paint that we want. So, cause we've been dragging, not dragging our feet, but I'm not looking forward to actually working with like the actual contractor if it's going to be like this, because I'm like, what? We're not, we haven't made any movement. What's happening? Um, yeah. Oh man. Uh, I know. But you know what? I'm like, you know what? Hey, we waited six months just to close. So you know what? At this point, I'm just happy that we have a house. And it's cool that that's a good idea, like learning how to do it yourself if it's not that big of a, a bit. That's, that's the hard part is like, what can we do ourselves? I came home from my, so this weekend I went to a bachelorette um, and it was super fun. Side note though, I came back and I'm like, oh, how exciting. There's like a, we, we've moved into our house and realized that there is no three prong outlets anywhere. It's an older house and I guess that like wasn't a thing. Oh, I guess yeah. they didn't, I mean, it's true. They didn't have Apple MacBook charges back then, but uh it was an issue because we couldn't charge like our laptop or our, put our TV in the wall or whatever. And um, I knew that my husband had set up the electrician to come put a couple of outlets. And then I came home and I was like, oh, there's like an extra outlet here. That's cool. And that fool did it himself. And I said, that's not a DIY project. Yeah, no. I'm, Electricity is not. Yeah. He's like, but I watched and he, you know, he watches all these YouTube videos and I know that he shadowed the electrician while he was doing it. And my husband's very talented and handy, but I was like, can you please at least have someone here to spot you while you're doing electrical work? He didn't have anybody there. Like, what if he electrocuted himself? I wasn't at home. Um, there's this, I feel like that's the HGTV, like... Um, I know syndrome, right? Syndrome, or or like, yeah, the, this whole you know, movement of people it. trying to do themselves. Like, no, 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 no. We're gonna. No. Sometimes it's worth the money. It was only thirty five dollars to have him add one more outlet. I think yeah. he really just wanted to figure out how to do it himself. Which is cool, but don't die. So I told, like, I told Superman, I said, like, there's a few things I don't mind you and the guys doing, like the lead thing. I just, honestly, I don't mind because even for work, like when they do certain things, um, they use like he has like a respirator mask, so he has all that stuff. I'm like, I don't mind electricity. I told him because we have to get the house rewired. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I was like, no, Chico and them are not doing our electric. Do you want to die? No. Chico We're not letting. <laughs> he actually does have a friend named Chico. He's like, oh, Chico could do that. I'm like, no, resetting the floor, fine. Painting, okay. You know, stuff like that. Even like patching some walls, great. But I told him like, we're not having somebody random rewire our house where we have to live and worry about if a fire starts inside the um, in the wall. You know, so 
Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting journey and I feel like it'll be much faster next time we get a house, like when we get like our next property. But this is definitely a learning curve. That's like, uh, I'm where I'm so out of my element cause I don't, I don't know anything. And I feel like I feel, um, open to being taken advantage of, but thankfully we have like, you know, like our mentors, but it still, still feels like, Oh my gosh, every time we meet with the professional, everyone else has, everyone has a new story to tell, you know, like, Oh, you know what you need to do is your carburetor and your numerator is in the infiltrator. And you're like, I don't know. Well, I mean, that leads perfectly into brown break, brown break. What you gonna do? Boost or break? Well, clearly, you know, I'm breaking because I just did a brown break song. <laughs> I was gonna say, is there only one option now? I, I forgot. I'm like, ah, oh, what a brown break from the word um, asbestos and the word lead and also the word abatement. I'm like, I'm over it. Yes, I'm just, that's just a quick brown break because. I realize though, like, you know, I keep telling myself by the end of the year, you're going to walk into this house and be like, yo, I love my house. But until then, it's just, um, just a lot. And I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, which is good. But I just need a break from those words. Like literally every, like after working hard on the Bajanista and the Academy and everything else, and then Superman comes home from work and then, you know, we have dinner or whatever. And then he wants to talk about the house. I'm like, honestly... I don't care. <laughs> like, whatever you decide, I don't even care anymore. He's like, you tired? I'm like, yes, I'm tired. I'm tired every weekend. It's like we we live there, but we don't live there. So I'm just taking a little bit of a brown break from, from those three words, abatement, lead, and asbestos. I was hoping somewhere in there I was going to find a casual segue into baby news because I believe last week you oh, teased yeah. us <laughs> that we might be getting an update. Well, yes, I'll just say a quick update is that, yes, we could start trying. I am. So I didn't I don't think I shared it last time, but I had to get a second surgery, which I was like, oh, yay. Um, and it was a, a, maybe like a month ago. So I went back to the doctor. Um, you know, I had my first surgery, which is when they actually like basically it's like a, a cesarean. No, a C-section where it's like they had to remove the actual fibroids, like cut me open and remove them. And that was like mm, four weeks recovery. Three, of, I mean, six official, but really like three or four weeks, I was like back to normal. Um, and then I was like, yeah, I'm good. And she's like, you know, I want you to go for this thing, this ink test where they like squirt ink in you to see if your tubes are open. And she's like, yay. So good news is your tubes are open. Bad news is we see another fibroid. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, gosh. Yes. And she was like, yeah. And then there's some scar tissue from when we removed some of these fibroids from before. And I was like, oh, she's like, so you have to have another surgery. I looked at her like, are you insane? What does that even mean? But thankfully, this surgery was, like, really non-invasive. It was a one-day recovery, like, literally 24 hours. And if you could even call it that. I was home and, like, ready to go. And so it was – and so I just got clearance from her. She's like, you are ready to go, Tiffany. Clean bill of health. You and Superman can go, go, go. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird coming from, your like, your older, your older uh, OBGYN. So, yes, we are clear to ready to try. I mean – you never know. And so the thing is, I'm so I'm 38. So she said she wants us to try naturally for six months. And then if no baby, then then we want to try. Then she said, then we'll try um, fertility options. So we shall see. You know, I never it's crazy about having kids. You never think you just think like, well, of course, I'm going to be able to have kids like that's what women do. So this has just opened my eyes into what's 
you know, how hard it can be, or it's just, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're able or, yeah. I mean, like my sister got pregnant on her wedding night, literally. And then she's got pregnant again right after that. And then my mom had trouble. She said, I didn't know because my mom has five kids. So I said, I know she's super fertile. And she was like, uh, no, it took me a couple of years before your sister, your first sister came. And I thought, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. So you just never know. Um, but yeah, so that was just the update that I can try. So I appreciate your love and your, your baby dust sprinkling in the air. You guys always send me great encouragement. So yes, please say an extra prayer for super babies prayerfully. We'll be on the way by the end of this year. I have something to share. One of our listeners actually sent us a message on Facebook for, cause I know before you talked about wanting twins, right? Do you still want twins? Um, I mean, I could do twins. <laughs> You're just trying to be efficient about it. Yes, honestly, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so one of our Facebook, uh, uh, one of our listeners on Facebook said, for twins, you should start eating lots of yams and sweet potatoes. Although I think those are the same thing. It's up for debate. Yeah, it is up for debate, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Crystal. I don't know. She doesn't say why sweet potatoes and yams, but hey, you're vegan and that's on the menu. So okay, hook it up. It's nerve wracking to think that it's nerve wracking. I feel like what's what's challenging is that right now we're in a, we're in an age where you know you're made to think, okay, be strategic about your career, plan everything out. Your finances, you're in control. Your career, you're in control. You're in control. Plan, make it, set yourself up for success, and don't turn down opportunities. I'm talking about women especially. Yes. And then you do everything right, and then by you know naturally you're in your 30s when you start thinking about having kids, or your late 30s or early 40s, and then oh, yeah, you can't really have it all because there's this thing called biology and she just fucks with you sometimes. Yeah. And it's not fair. It's so frustrating. So I'm really just glad that you're sharing your story because I know that you're not the only one out there who's going through that. And it's not even about career. And, you know, I'm not trying to at all shame people. It's not about career or even being ambitious sometimes. Sometimes your body just, you know, it just is your body. You don't have all the working elements that you thought you had until you finally start to try or you just don't meet the right person. Um, exactly. Or like, I know a couple, like a, a, a friend of mine, who's a guy, I, I just always assume because he, he and his wife travel a lot and they're, they're young, they're in their thirties. And I just assume like, Oh, they're the young, hot and popping couple. They must not want kids. They didn't strike me as a kid wanting type. And he hit me up and he was like, you know, I'm praying for you and your husband. Me and my wife have been trying for years. And he's like, we've been to every doctor and nothing's wrong with us. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't know. You never know. You know, like I said, I thought that they were like, oh, you know, they're not trying to have no kids. They're in a different country every other month. They live it up. And no, he's like, we do. And we can, they cannot figure out like why she, she doesn't have fibroids. She doesn't, her tubes are open. She's got enough eggs. His sperm is strong. Like, you know, and so you just, yeah, there's no rhyme or reason sometimes. I mean, sometimes you know, and sometimes you don't. And I mean, I know somebody who was like, she literally like had like one, one ovary and it was halfway working and she's got two kids. And so, yeah, I mean, it, that's the part that's hard because in every other aspect of my life, I know that if I put in the work, I can get what I want. You know, like how hard are you willing to work for a Tiffany? And this is one of those things that, yes, there is some work for me to put in. Like I went vegan, I got these surgeries, I, you know, I'm eating better, you know, but past that, I can't do anything else, you know? So it's frustrating because there's no, there's nothing, you know, like uh, no matter how much work I put in, there's still the possibility that I just, I'm just not able for whatever reason. 
you know? So, I mean, I'm still like, I still have time. So I honestly don't, I feel hopeful. I don't feel like hopeless. I know some people like, it's, I guess it's the beginning of my journey. So it's still really early. Like I really just started, you know, this journey in January. So it's still really early for me. So I'm still feeling like, yeah, it's happening, but you never know if it doesn't. I mean, thankfully, you know, Superman and I have the means if we want to adapt, which he's totally open to, we can. Um, he's just been awesome. Like, well, whatever you want, babe, like, you know, he would want at least, he would love, of two more kids i'm like i don't know. we'll see look if, if we don't get these twins the first time around i don't know <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, but we'll see i'm open to it though because i feel like i'm in a space now where you know there i there's more to life than 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 business and and growth and, and finances and you know and i just seeing as my parents get older the joy they get from the fact that they have us kids i want that too you know you know i feel i have good vibes me sending too. you extra baby dust. I'm going to keep a little yeah. for myself. I might need it. <laughs> Not sure when, but I'm going to need it sometime. <laughs> yeah. So my brown boost, I want to do, well, I, okay, I'm going to do a double. A brown, it's kind of a two-sided brown break. So my, my brown break is the conversation around um, pay equality. So the pay gap, the gender page gap, we always talk about how women, we all know the statistic. I mean, it's like... Uh, so, you know, we say it all the time, women earn 80 cents to the dollar. When you break it down by minority, it's even less to, to white men. Um, and where that conversation usually leads is to advice for women on how they sh- what they should be doing to earn more money or what com- how they should be negotiating better in the workplace and what the women can do. And I'm kind of – and I, I'm, I'm kind of low-key sick of this conversation because I feel like it – unfairly puts the pressure on the woman to get herself an equal pay, like get herself equal pay on the job. And my position has been for a long time that the employer itself or whoever it is, like the, the, the person who's managing the project has the budget, whether you're a freelancer or full-time, whoever, that they are thinking about, am I paying people fairly? And looking at this person's resume, comparing it to someone similar on our staff, why is it that he or she is earning more or less. I don't think that there's enough pressure on like management to make those types of calls. And mm-hmm. I, I wish that there was more. Earlier today, I saw this, um, the headline that, you know, the, the crown, that was one of the more, more recent, like public um, kind of embarrassing things where they found, we found out that that show, the crown on Netflix, the main actress, Claire Foy, who plays Queen Elizabeth, um, was paid significantly less than her male co-star who is like a supporting actor and is not in, you know, she's in basically every single scene and has been nominated for awards and yada, yada. So it came out that she made like hundreds of thousands of dollars less than him, um, even though they're on the same show and she does way more. And then today, um, this has been like weeks later, um, they announced that she's going to receive $275,000 in back pay um, after all the controversy to basically like make her even with what – I don't know if it's – basically to make her even with this guy, right? So for me, that shows like it's not her fault that she was making less, you know? It's mm. why did that company or Netflix or whoever, why did they decide – they were the ones who decided that you deserve less than this guy. Like why weren't there – why wasn't there more discussion around them? And I, and I, I just feel like so often we are almost victim shaming, not that – 
you know, victim, I don't want to throw the word victim around, but like shaming the woman for not doing more, you know, go into an interview and talk tough and read these tips on how to negotiate. And I'm taking some of the blame here because I've written some of those articles and it's helpful to know and understand, understand what makes a, what makes a good negotiation. But I, and especially in my role as a manager, I take it upon my my damn self to make sure that I'm paying people equally. And I just did, I do, I manage a lot of freelancers, for example, like a lot of freelance writers. Um, and one of the recent, one of the things I do every month is take a look at, cause we do, I do pay my top tier writers more than the others. And I realized this month, one of the, um, writers who I constantly go to because she's super reliable is not in the highest, um, pay grade. And mm-hmm. I'm not waiting for her to ask me to give her more money. While I know a lot of people would do that, I'm like, well, it makes no sense why she is making less than these other top tier people. She deserves to be in this, in this, um, in this group. And hell, like if I, if I bump her into this group, maybe she'll want to write more for us. And of course I, you know, I just did it. And I sent her an email saying, Hey, by the way, I gave you a pay, pay raise. Congrats. You know, um, cause I could do it and it's not like I don't have the money to not do it that yeah. it's just, it's just, you have to take the time and think about that. Um, so that's my, my, my break for putting too much of the onus on women to, to, uh, to earn more. And, you know, like studies show that you can be, you're judged more harshly as a woman if you're like a tough negotiator, you know? So yeah. it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't sometimes. Well, let's move on to some questions. Questions. And you guys, please send us your questions. You can hit us up at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com to send us a question directly or leave us um, – go to our website, brownambitionpodcast.com, um, and ask us a question on the site as well. The mailbox this week was a little thin, you guys, and which is kind of sad for me because I love yeah. your questions. Hold on. Go I, ahead. I accidentally minimized the box. My bad. <laughs> yeah, definitely ask because we we do really love honestly answering you guys' questions. And when you ask a question, there's always somebody out there in the audience that's like, oh, me too, me too. Thank you for asking that. Do you have to pay like $500 to the Me Too movement whenever you say Me Too now? I know. I, no, I don't know. Uh, oh, my goodness. Running a business. I was just thinking about like uh, trademarking stuff. There was stuff that like I need to trademark. And you're like, everything is just so pricey i know uh, I tell you, i'll tell you a yeah. little secret like now that I've, I've i've locked it down why did i lose the trademark to the budgetista <gasps> no oh, but it's no. okay for those of you listening i have it back okay because i was like i was not gonna say it obviously until i had it back because then someone's like oh i'm good so i didn't it was a mistake I, I thought trademarks lasted 10 years and they do but you have to like renew it after the first five and then it lasts 10 but i didn't know that and all my stuff like i don't know where they were sending the mail to um it wasn't until like a bunch of lawyers kept calling me asking me like hey would you like to something like get back the budget needs to trademark i'm like what are you talking about i own the trademark it's only been five years and i looked i was like "Ooh, maybe i don't so this was this happened last year because it takes about i want to say six to, to 12 months for the whole process so i had to reapply I actually used LegalZoom and it was super easy. I had to reapply and I got it back. But I was like, OMG. Can you imagine? I'm stressed out just thinking about you know, it. I was sweating bullets. Like I would say like maybe like two weeks ago, I got the I got the the trademark paper in the mail. Like, yay, Tiffany, the budget needs to belong to you again. 
Oh my god! So trademark your stuff, guys. It's worth it. And legal Zoom, uh, you know, although it's not great for everything, is definitely what's make it made that process easier. Ooh, okay, well, good. Poof. <laughs> and by the way, Brian Ambition's trademark. Don't try us. Yes, don't. <laughs> don't try us. Okay, here's a question from listener. Oh, let me see if she wants me to say her name out loud. She doesn't say not to. Okay, listener Marnie. She says, hey, ladies, first off, I love your podcast. It's been really helpful as I begin to plan out my financial future and take the appropriate steps. I just started a new job and my company doesn't allow me to contribute to a 401k until after the first year. I researched and I found out I could invest in a regular IRA, but my maximum contribution each year would just be $6,000 versus $18,500 in a 401k. I'm currently making $49,000 a year. What do you recommend as the best step to maximize my retirement investment while I wait out this year? I don't even know. You make $49,000 a year. I don't even think that you would realistically be able to get to um, Mm $18,500 based on that salary unless you're living at home and you have no expenses. I think that you'll be fine just investing in a regular IRA or even you don't mention it or not, but I'm hoping this means that you have a savings account, emergency savings fund on the side. If you don't, I would say focus on building that up your first year. If anything, you're only making $49,000 a year. So it may take you a little bit of time just to get to, you know, the recommended like three to six months worth of savings on the side. And then once the year is up, then you're, you know, you're kind of ready and you can start contributing to that, to that 401k. And also too, like, I think sometimes like, even if it's not your your retirement fund, it doesn't mean that you can't set aside money like, you know, and be just investing for wealth, you know? So yes, you're not going to get the, the tax benefit, but there's still a, a benefit for investing for wealth. So like, like Mandy said, you're like, you're unlikely to, to max out to, at, at $18,000, but you know, on the off chance, just in general, knowing that retirement is not the only way to invest, um, if you're limited in that way, you know, I have a, an, uh, an account to invest for wealth and I have a portfolio to invest for retirement. And th- both of those things are useful and good. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Maybe no stuff. But good that you're getting started. Believe me, it's not easy to get to 18500 when you consider like all your other expenses and stuff. Um, and just to be clear, the actual limit on IRA contributions is $5,500. I think she put six thousand in her message, but just so you know, we got it right. And it's yeah. a little bit—it's a little bit higher if you're age fifty or older. It's sixty-five hundred dollars, FYI. All right. Thanks for your question, Miss Marnie. I know. I wanted to just end with social media time. So let's get social. We'll have to figure out a name for it. So you guys know that we have an Instagram, and our Instagram page is Mandy at Brown Ambition Podcast on Instagram. So actually, I'm going to head over there now. And I'm going to give somebody a little shout out. So we would love if under our most recent picture on Brown Ambition um, that you, you know, you can ask a question, you can share some feedback. Um, we're really just trying to get, um, you know, our social pop in a little bit. If you're not following us, you played yourself. No, seriously. Um, so this comment is um, from M- Amelia and her Instagram name is Emmy Marie B. And she says, one of my Peruvian cousins died of a brain aneurysm at age 15. Wow. In 2017, I definitely didn't know how much about, I didn't know much about that either. 
Um, didn't the budget Nisa's husband survive one? Yes. He, well, he didn't, it didn't burst, but he had one. Um, thanks for getting the word out, BA. Oh, thank you, Emmy. Uh, yeah, that last episode with Sharon Epperson um, sharing how she um, survived her brain aneurysm, which is honestly, it's very, it's not common to survive and to survive and, and to, to go back to the same kind of like mental capacity that you had before. It's, it's like 15% of people survive. And then another 15% of those people actually are the same. So that was an awesome episode. Um, and thank you. So if you guys, you know, want us to shout you out on the end of our next Brown Ambition episode, head over to Instagram and sh- say something on one of our posts. You never know. We might see you. Say something nice. Yes. Share a story. Tell us what your win is. I'm going to do a better job posting, but really appreciate you guys following us. And thank you to Amelia. Yeah. Thank you, Amelia. I actually really like that name too. That's my, that's my niece Pooh's name, but she has it with an A, but I forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, see you next week. See you next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.